Welcome to this third update on the COP26 meetings in Glasgow with me, Ian Welsh. With the presidents and prime ministers moving to one side after their two-day jamboree of out-competing each other on how seriously they take the climate crisis, Wednesday's deliberations had quite a different feel as the serious work of negotiation and deal-making began. Build as finance day, proceedings in the main conference centre were kicked off by the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the UK's lead minister on finance, Rishi Sunak. He talked about the need to get to the $100 billion annual climate finance promised at the Paris COP in 2015. We're nearly there, but remain a few billion short. And it will be a major coup if this target can be met before the end of this COP next week. Sunak announced a goal of what he called rewiring the entire UK financial system to protect the climate and said that London will become the first ever net zero aligned financial centre, meaning that British companies will have a mandatory duty to publicly set out their pathway to net zero emissions. On the face of it, a good thing you'd think. Not good enough, said some activist groups, dismissing Sunak's announcement as a marketing slogan, without the mandatory teeth to ensure all lending and finance was aligned with limiting warming to 1.5 Celsius. US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that as much as a total of $150 trillion worth of action is necessary to tackle the climate crisis totally, and much will depend on how public finance is used to direct adaptation and mitigation domestically. She committed the US to quadrupling levels of international climate finance to $11 billion a year by 2024, and she pointed out that the costs of renewable sources of energy are frequently cheaper than fossil fuel alternatives already, and so there is no sense in business not making the switch to green. In other COP news, a new study demonstrates that Europe's record-breaking hot summer would not have happened without man-made global warming. And a group of over 20 nations and financial institutions have committed to halt all fossil fuel financing overseas and divert $8 billion of funding to green energy projects from 2022. The US, UK, Denmark and the European Investment Bank are among those involved. There are, however, some loopholes allowing domestic fossil fuel financing to proceed, as well as any overseas projects that are already underway. And elsewhere, climate activist Greta Thunberg had been caught on camera chanting with other protesters in Glasgow about exactly where you can shove your climate crisis. Put it this way, she wasn't talking about her elbow. After having been gently pilloried over her footy choice of language, she subsequently tweeted that she pledged to go net zero on swearing, and that in the event of her saying something inappropriate, she would compensate by saying something nice. Quick as a flash, Greenpeace UK's Doug Parr tweeted back and suggested that instead she could offset it and pay someone else to say something nice in a few years' time. Yesterday afternoon, joining me live from the Blue Zone at COP26 was Sarah Rogerson, Corporate Performance Programme Manager at Global Canopy. We talked about what Global Canopy was doing in Glasgow, some of the implications of Tuesday's big announcement on deforestation commitments and how to keep up the momentum, and what her personal highlights of COP have been so far. Joining me now is Sarah Rogerson, who's Corporate Performance Programme Manager at Global Canopy, and you're joining us live from the Blue Zone at COP in Glasgow. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks very much for having me in. Sarah, what's the Global Canopy team up to at COP? So we've got quite a few events going on at COP, largely sharing our work on data and guidance for the finance sector to act on deforestation. So earlier today, we launched a roadmap for financial institutions to eliminate deforestation from their portfolios and to meet the commitments that 30 financial institutions with nearly $9 trillion of assets under management committed to yesterday. 
Tomorrow we'll be at Ross Priory with the Global Ethical Finance Initiative, presenting a few of our projects and initiatives that we're involved in that relate to the finance sector, including the Task Force for Nature-Related Disclosures, but also our new Aligned Accountability Project, which brings together data on company performance on deforestation, bringing that all into one place for financial institutions to use. We're also running a joint event with Global Witness this afternoon, which brings together Indigenous leaders, policymakers and financial institutions to confront the deforestation problem and explore solutions. And then next week, we're hosting an evening of talks, music and films about the Amazon rainforest. It's really a celebration of the Amazon and the people connected to it. And they'll be talking about the role of Indigenous peoples in the survival of the Amazon and the future. And just a note for listeners, we are recording this on Wednesday. So when Sarah refers to the events tomorrow at Ross Priory, she actually means today when you're listening to this. Listeners can join your event at Ross Priory online, can't they? They can, yes. There will be a live stream. Why is being in Glasgow important for you? It's it's really brilliant to be here in person, to make those human connections, to have those discussions face-to-face when you can. Obviously, we've all got much better at doing this virtually, but there's nothing quite like getting everyone in the room. It also really has created a moment that everyone's been looking forward to and working towards for many months. So I really don't think we'd have had the level of commitment that we've had announced yesterday on Tuesday if we hadn't got this build up towards this moment where everyone's coming here together. Forests were front and centre on Tuesday with the Leader's Declaration on Forests and Land Use and commitments for a lot of funding. So we've obviously got some momentum now. How can we ensure that this momentum is not lost? Absolutely, yeah, the announcements were fantastic and really the number of governments and organisations that have signed up to them really, really is such a cause for celebration. But as you say, the really critical thing is where we go from here and that these commitments and announcements are acted on effectively and eventually met. And as we know, previous commitments haven't been met. So it is really important that we work collectively to ensure that that doesn't happen again. But it has been really wonderful around here in the last couple of days to hear from so many directly that they are eager to get going, ready to act now and also willing to help keep the momentum going throughout the next year and beyond. So for the finance sector in particular, we've just published a roadmap which outlines the steps that they can and need to take right now to start working towards their goal of 2025. Action can't be delayed till 2025, they do need to start today in order to actually meet the goal that they've set themselves. The flip side also is making sure that we have the mechanisms in place to hold those that have made these commitments to account. We as Global Canopy track the policies and commitments of 150 financial institutions linked to deforestation through our annual Forest 500 assessments. And so going forwards alongside these assessments from next year, we will also be tracking those that have signed up to this commitment to see where they are against the roadmap steps that we've laid out each year and keep accountability on them to make sure they're maintaining action towards their goal. Yes, I think it's really interesting that companies seem to have recognised that the roadmap is often as important as the destination because in the past, when there have been so many deforestation pledges made, I mean, of course, there was the large number of companies made 2020 deforestation pledges and nobody breached it. It felt to me like it was just people weren't doing the action necessary fast enough. So the roadmap that you're setting out, I think, will be really useful. Do you expect to be disappointed? Or are you expecting to see companies this time keep up the momentum? It's really heartening to see that the commitment that the financial institutions publish themselves includes interim steps. So they have a step for 2023, 2024, 2025. It's not just a big goal for 2025. I think that's really positive. I think also the fact that 
really 2025 is not that far away. And a lot of them have been very open that it's an ambitious and a challenging goal. It's less likely, I think, in this case, that we'll be seeing anyone making the commitment and not starting to think about how they implement it immediately, not thinking they can just leave that for a few years. It's not a problem for 2025. It's a problem for now. Given the combination between the ambition that's necessary with the realistic series of steps along the way, I get the sense that the, you know, that's something that a lot of people have been thinking very hard about. It does feel that we're getting towards that. You've been at COP for a few days. What have been your personal highlights so far? Obviously, the commitments made yesterday were fantastic, but it's also just the response from colleagues, from partners to the work that we've done, to the commitments. It's been a really positive atmosphere and reactions to our work, the roadmap, the guidance that we're putting out there. It's been really positive and really wonderful to hear that they are keen to start looking at it to work out what the first steps are, because it is so important that work towards those goals does start now to ensure we don't miss them. Yeah, it's just been a really positive atmosphere and really wonderful to hear the appetite for action and also the support for maintaining accountability. You know, everyone is on board that we need to track this and we need to make sure that accountability is maintained. That's what's happened. What are you looking forward to over the next few days? Definitely looking forward to tomorrow, so Thursday. Our schedule tomorrow with the Global Ethical Finance Institute will be such a wonderful opportunity to get into some of the details with financial institutions on the data that they need to help them make their commitments and also how we can fill some of those data gaps right now and then what we might need to do in the future to keep filling those. Beyond COP for us, we'll be building out our guidance for financial institutions. So we'll be adding more detail for specific types of financial institutions. And we'll be working really closely with those institutions to develop the guidance to ensure it answers the challenges that they face. But also prioritising working with Indigenous groups and other NGOs to ensure that any guidance reflects best practice as well. So we're starting that with guidance for pension funds, where we're working with Make My Money Matter and Systemic as well as the advisory group that created the roadmap and others, including the Accountability Framework Initiative. So that's going to be happening really over the next few months. And then we'll be continuing to build out our guidance from there. Well, best of luck with that and best of luck with all your events over the next few days in Glasgow. Thank you. And uh, I'll certainly be listening in tomorrow to your event from Ross Priory. But for now, Sarah Rogerson, live from the Blue Zone at COP26 in Glasgow. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you so much. Great to speak to you, Ian. There was some heartening news from number crunchers at the University of Melbourne following the announcement of India's net zero by 2070 pledge from earlier in the week. While this was dismissed by many as being too little too late, deeper analysis suggests that it might be better than first thought and, combined with all the other pledges on emissions in Glasgow and elsewhere, could be enough to bring the planet's emissions trajectory onto a pathway below 2 Celsius for the first time. Now that's not the 1.5 target that almost everyone is coalescing around now, but good news nonetheless. India's more ambitious than expected plans were possible in part because of the rapid uptake of solar power in the country. Today, Thursday, is Energy Day. There will be panel sessions at the main conference venue focusing on skilling up of clean power more quickly. And there will be the usual ministerial speeches and an event looking at eliminating coal. And I'll be back with more news and views from COP at the same time tomorrow. Until then, goodbye.